it is a staircase with many steps. It's good to have that vision of going to the top and you can get there and you will get there. But if I had known all the work that it was going to take, all the money it would take, it may have been enough to get me a little scared. And the point is you don't have to know because as long as you continue to drive yourself forward and learn the lessons as they come, you will just knock them out one by one. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, a lifestyle podcast hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Tune in for a new episode every Tuesday to hear our honest conversations about topics like wellness, entrepreneurship, spirituality, and self-development with guests who are really smart, really inspirational, and really fucking funny. (laughs) It's real, it's raw, and it's unfiltered. Inspired by our transition from our 20s to our 30s, we realized it's so much more than that. Our mission is to provide you with the tools, guidance, and motivation to help you navigate any transitions in your life and propel your personal growth. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. (laughs) Hello. Hello. We were just talking about the... um, We take a little... Well, Silver Fern. Yeah. Silverfern brand, one of our sponsors. Yeah. And I love their uh, energy and endurance energy. Mm-hmm. I think it's called drink mix and um, makes me poop. Um, yeah. But also just gives me a really even energy. I don't get that like, <gasps> it's just like, oh, yeah. and then lasts. Lasts. And you don't get a crash. This isn't sponsored at I all, know. all right now. I mean, they're a sponsor, but this talking about it is it because I have a, big belly right now from like poop. It's like a big, I cannot, I don't know what's going on. It's I think, cause I can't get grounded. And Lindsay's like, oh, you should take some endurance energy from silver fern. Cause it also helps you like work out. Turn well. to Lindsay for a quick fix. But poop, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea, but I don't want to be too hype right now. Yeah. But I do love, so silver fern brand code is almost 30. If you want it 15% off and the endurance energy is a pre-workout drink that me and Lindsay take a few times a week, mm-hmm. just whenever, Yeah, you know, gives you a nice even energy and then helps you poop if you want. They're not going to believe us that it wasn't sponsored. Yeah, it wasn't. We were just talking about that. <laughs> we thought we'd turn on the mic. Um, hey, y'all. Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. Another good intro. It's Linz and Krista, and we're so happy you're here. Uh-huh. As always, we have been just feeling the love from Almost 30 Nation. And we have some really exciting news coming up for you guys in the next month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it involves you. Yep. So uh, stay tuned for that. We can't really say anything else, which is annoying. You guys all and, raises. Yeah, we're going to give you guys raises. <laughs> You've been calling your bosses and we want you to get raises. <laughs> um, also big news, we are number 47 on the overall charts Damn. as of right now. Come on. We're sitting right above... <laughs> A few other podcasts. Oh, I was gonna say names. I was like, she's gonna even, go there. I didn't even mean to do that. Like, because <laughs> they would be big. Little old, almost thirty, coming in hot. Coming in spi- all hustle piping. and no luck. All hustle, no luck, baby. All hustle. <laughs> um. So this week, um, you know, we we really love to uh, dig into the brands that we love, mm-hmm. and we love to learn about their founders and their stories because, you know, we feel like their energy and their spirit to create a brand like they do must be one that we should elevate and bring to you guys. So we reached out to HealthAid, which mm-hmm. is our go-to kombucha brand. Dinah Trout, the founder, is just like the coolest so mama in the land. Yeah. So True. fashionable, so stylish. <laughs> but like so but real cool. too. She's like so literally, real. she's just so cool. I and mean, I know we say that, but it re- we really mean it. And yeah. we were, we got to do a video call with her. Uh, she's down in the OC. So we got to like see her face to face, which we love if they're mm-hmm. not in person. So we just talked to her. It's a crazy founder story. I mean, really grassroots. Like she was making shit in her kitchen. Okay. I didn't even, <laughs> you know, I didn't even know that. I was like, oh, you're making your kitchen selling it at a- Farmers markets and couldn't make it fast enough. Now you're a hundred million dollar plus. <laughs> crazy. She's a fucking woman, dude, and she did dude. it with her husband. She did it with her best friend. Like, and I mean, she like I love. She was so raw and honest, and she talks about the challenges. She talks about the struggles. So, um, for all you female entrepreneurs, you know this is such a great inspiring mm. story. Yes. And we also talked about the kombucha 
scandal thing. So she says like, kombucha. I say kombucha. We still don't know what it is. What do you, <laughs> what, I know. What did Dinah say? I actually don't know. Kombucha. I think it's kombucha, but like I like kombucha. the cam. That, I like what you say. Do I say kombucha? Yeah, but I like kombucha. it. <laughs> oh, yeah, kombucha. Oh, Sonona kombucha. Kombucha. <laughs> I'm gonna have my own language. I want my. I want my own emoji keyboard. Oh my god! Yeah, I should. And it should uh-huh. be like kombucha ashkawanda. <laughs> Little mushroom what else emoji. Do I, say? I don't know. So yeah, I mean, she also has a family, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's hard to like take that jump when you have like I think she had her son after, but when you have responsibility and when you have a partner and you know, you're looking to the future, do you take that risk? So if you guys are standing kind of on the precipice of taking that jump, um, we hope this will inspire you um, to do so if you have kind of the right resources and the mindset that Dinah has. So we're, we were just really lucky to chat with her. Mm-hmm. So um, subscribe, rate, and review. Join the Secret Facebook group, all the things so that we can uh, connect with you more and more and more. Uh, We love you guys. We love you. Enjoy. So nice to talk to you. It's so nice to get you on the line. I mean, you guys have been so great, you know, with supporting us and supporting so many other events and other, you know, gatherings, you know, women supporting women, those type of just functions and stuff. It is just great. And like, we can always count on you. We can always count on the team at Health Aid to be amazing and sweet and present. And we just, you know, really are thankful and grateful for everything that you've done, just like standing in what you guys believe in. We appreciate it. That's awesome. What a way to start a Monday. <laughs> oh yeah, it's true. I mean, we can yeah. always more like, hey, hey, we're doing this and your team's always like, cool, we'll be there. You know, yeah. we'll support, like truly, we'll do everything. So we just, we love that about you guys. Awesome. Well, we are big believers that it's the year of the queen. So we're going to yes. support hey. female, you know, <laughs> female growth all over the place. I love that so much. I just went to create and cultivate this weekend. It was really um, special. Wait, uh, tell me more. Yeah, tell, tell me us more. about it. It was just really cool. Imagine like close to a thousand women dressed in the coolest outfits you've ever seen. I know. It's almost too <laughs> inti- it's almost intimidating. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was like, where did you... I mean, everything is like, where did you get that piece of art? You know, it's kind of like that. And then brands that you love set up in a really incredible, beautiful, loungy type spaces, very kind of open, airy feel. And then you, there were two stages that so you could go and see um, speakers on either stage. And it really, really awesome speakers, you know, relevant to different types of business, not all one, one type of business. Sometimes you go to these things and it's either all social I don't know. This was just a really good mix. Like there were manufacturing people, there were um, marketing people, there were founders, there were C-suites, there were... I mean, really, it was just as inspiring for me to be there as a speaker to meet some of these other women that have done really cool stuff, a product that I buy and services that I use or brands that I respect, as it was to, you know, of course, be able to share whatever wisdom I've garnered over the years with these women that were so excited to hear what we had to say. So it was just awesome. Mm. And like the food was awesome. Everything looked so cool. There were all these backdrops for like the coolest photographs you've ever taken. It was just really great. Yeah, they're so smart. Like Instagrammable everywhere. Yeah, every yeah. detail yeah, is like thought of. Oh, I love yeah. that so much. What was your session? I So funny enough, I was brought in to do a panel called DTF, Down to Finance. It was to you know help, help inspiring entrepreneurs understand... Um, how to raise capital, um, how to look at finances. I mean, I think um, the moderator who is, her name is Eva Pauling. She's the uh, founder of Richer Poor. And she- Oh, I love her so much. Yeah. She's I awesome. love her. And you know, you, you love her even more because she was nine months pregnant moderating the panel. So wow. Wait, she's wow. pregnant right now? She's nine months pregnant. I mean, she's like, oh she was starting God. to have contractions. Oh my God. She was a writer of mine down in Newport. And I, I used to, I used to work freelance for Richard Poor, and they're just the raddest. That is so cool. I love yeah, that. So she was just saying that women especially are so uncomfortable talking about money. And, um, and that is like such an important thing to get over if we're going to be business yeah. owners. Um, and so it was a really cool panel. And at first I kind of thought, Oh man, how boring, like finances, you know, like that's, but it was probably, it was definitely the best panel I've ever been a part of. Um, 
Eva did phenomenally well as a moderator and the place was packed with people taking notes. It was just a really awesome panel. And it was a group of women, not all, only two founders. Um, so it wasn't all about raising capital. There were also some private equity group, uh, female uh, mm-hmm. executives there. So it was, we got their perspective as well. And then um, somebody who had like worked in investment banking and then quit that to start something completely. So there's like all kinds of different people. It was really awesome. That wow. is so cool. Can you talk to us about your story? Um, I know uh, a little bit about it, um, but I think a lot of our listeners can relate to starting with almost nothing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. wanting to having this vision of creating something quite big and quite profound and something that could make a difference, you know, in the health of, you know, a massive amount of people. So can you talk to us about that? Sure. So obviously there's so much that goes into anyone's story, right? I could spend hours talking about each little phase of the business. But yes, I think what you're speaking to is is certainly something that's familiar to me. You only have a little bit of money, but you have this dream of making a really big mark. I asked, That was exactly why I started. I had this feeling that was like, I, I knew I could do something that would change the game. I knew that there was something I had to leave on this world, like a mark. And I just felt it grow. It was like a voice that just got louder and louder. But I didn't have all the resources. I certainly didn't have the experience. Um, and my two found co-founders that we started this with, my best friend, Vanessa, and my husband, Justin, also didn't have the experience. My, my husband was a musician. And Vanessa and I both worked together at a job in, phar- in pharmaceuticals. So we, we kind of came at it with about 600 bucks and a whole lot of heart. Now, fast forward to today. Now I feel like we're really exemplifying that image I had put on a vision board six years ago. We've got over a hundred employees now or nationwide, 12,000 accounts. We're fastest growing brand in the category. There's so many exciting things, right? Like we're selling in Costco next week. That totally blows my mind. What? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Congratulations. Like going, I got a Costco membership just to go buy it all. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Oh my God, that's amazing. You're be like, I also found this five town, five tub bub, dub of pretzels. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That sounds about right. The one thing, I'll, if I could look back to that girl in the beginning, mm-hmm. it's really important that that person understands it is a staircase with many steps. And it's good to have that vision of going to the top and you can get there and you will get there. But I think that if I had known all the work that it was going to take, all the money it would take to, to, to raise, um, like, in other words, if I were to come into where the brewery is today, which is like really awesome. Right. I mean, it's just nothing like what it was in our closet. It may have been enough to get me a little scared a little bit to say, Oh, I don't know how I would even raise $25 million. Like I I don't even know how I would do that. And, And the point is you don't have to know. Because as long as you continue to drive yourself forward and learn the lessons as they come, you will just knock them out one by one. And as long as you're continuously, it's just like in full cycle classes, right? Or any other kind of fitness routine. If you push, if you're constantly pushing yourself to get better and learn and do better and evolve, you will get to the point. I mean, there is no ending. And I think even today, I bet you 10 years from now, I'll look back at where we are today and say, I'm so happy that I didn't like get scared off by that big dream or that even bigger dream. Cause the dream just does get bigger. So I guess, I don't know if that answered your question, but I think what I, what I was trying to relay is just, it's good to have that dream. It's good to have that vision, keep that alive. But remember that it is, you get there by taking one step forward at a time. And that's really all you have to focus on is what is the next best thing to do. Mm. And why kombucha? Like what was the inspiration oh, for yeah. that? It's a bit of like, a, did you know in I your mean, heart, you were like, there's a hole in my heart and it's kombucha. <laughs> no, not at all. No, really. I mean, and, and I, and I, I don't know if this is what everyone wants to hear, but really the reason we started health aid is because the three of us each had a burning desire to start something of our own creation. It was, the passion was more entrepreneurship than it was kombucha. Now I, I, I drank kombucha like, for 20 years before we started health aid. Um, when I was in graduate school, I went to graduate school for nutrition and I was fascinated with how food could heal. And I didn't take the traditional, um, philosophy and nutrition 
So for me, it wasn't about the science and the numbers. It was actually more about how food made you feel. So it was there that I got into that whole philosophy of whole foods and holistic foods and healing with food. So I was kind of more on the hippy dippy track. And I learned how to ferment food. Like I loved it. I was the person, you know, you'd come over to my house and I'd have things like sprouting on the counter and um, I made kombucha <laughs> and sauerkraut and yogurt and coconut yogurt and all that stuff. But I had no idea that it was going to be my business in the future. I also, it wasn't like particularly kombucha over any other probiotics that I was like into. Just I knew how to make it. So 10 years later in LA where I was feeling that like unfulfillment, the story is my husband came home from a hairdresser and the hairdresser told him he was losing his hair. And it, it was, God, it, it, respect it, to that hairdresser. <laughs> just shooting it like, straight. He was like, it's your last hurrah. And my husband was like, no, I'm like 28 years old. We got to figure this out. So, um, so Vanessa and I are like, okay, great. So let's start researching what will regrow hair. And of course, because I'm, you know, passionate about like real foods, I start looking at natural ways to regrow hair and um, we, were, we were just sort of researching what maybe this next big idea could be for business. And we keep coming across in the literature that there are parts of the world, in parts of the world like Tibet, they use the culture, the scoby, as a mask on the head. And that if you put this mask on your head, it will actually like, increase the integrity of the cells and somehow regrow hair. Not sure. But what I did know is I knew how to make <laughs> scobies, right? So I'm like, I know how to make scobies. Let's do this. I'll make the scobies, Justin, you'll be the guinea pig. So we start making a ton of kombucha in order to cultivate these cultures. We didn't care as much about the liquid, actually, at the time. We were just interested in the culture. So I'm like a mad scientist, like gathering these cultures, you know, jar by jar. Meanwhile, I have so much kombucha, we don't know what to do with it. So we start handing it out to friends, neighbors, anybody that would take a case of kombucha unlabeled because we were interested in the scobies, not the, the liquid. Um, people were coming back to us being like, oh, this is like the best kombucha we've ever had. Like, um, You're like, you know, it was I just on my husband's head for three hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we weren't getting indications early on that it was very good, but we weren't focused on it at all. It was focused on the cultures. And then somebody from the Brentwood Farmer's Market gave us a call because it was a friend of Vanessa's and said, hey, we've got an opening this summer for a booth. Um, because a farmer is going to be dipping out for the summer months. And Brentwood Farmer's Market and a lot of the farmer's markets, by the way, have like a three-year waiting list. So wow, they were like, all you need is 150 bucks to start. The three of us were like, well, we got to sell something because this is our opportunity. And we don't have the hair stuff yet. <laughs> so, but we did have <laughs> a hair scoby. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have that figured out yet. So we had, but we did have, a, we had like 60 cases of kombucha. So we were like, let's just like sell this. So in a weekend, we put the labels on it. We put the, you know, the name together. Um, anyway, it was really cool, but we did not think it was going to be the thing. And it was in that summer that it just became very clear to us that there was a need out there in the market for premium kombucha. There was a niche. We wanted to be the best tasting, the highest quality. That's what we felt we did best. I, I can't tell you the... the the demand and the buzz that existed. It was an incredible amount of hard work because we all had jobs. So it was like nice weekends. Literally, there was no sleep. And it was so like organic, like ground roots. You know, you just show up on a Sunday at six in the morning and you sell your heart out of the product you like made with your own hands. By the end of the farmer's market, it was clear that we had something and, you know, we never really went forward on the um, hair loss project. But we always call the story hair loss to health aid. <laughs> and by the way, Justin hasn't lost any more hair. So I don't know. No way. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Probably, dang, that's amazing. Like, I actually want to know like how much of it he was concerned about and how much of it were you just more concerned so about. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh shit, good we got to fix good that. Yeah. We, we got to get that. I watched my boyfriend Justin's hairline like a hawk. <laughs> yeah. Every night I'm like... What's that hairline doing? Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> that, I know. That's amazing. I know. What the heck, right? I feel bad, but no. It and and who knows? Maybe it was. Maybe it was just that you had to drink it. But um, yeah. So that's how it all started. And then one of the biggest moves we had to make was to quit our jobs. I think it's yeah. one of the scariest things for people to do, especially women. For whatever reason, we um, the security is like really important to us. I mean, as it should be, that's normal, right? But yeah. um, it was the most important, probably people always ask me like, what's like the milestone, or, like one of the major milestones? And 
still to this day, the most important thing we did was quit our job. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and by the way, we didn't have any money. So there was no payment. I mean, it was like ramen noodle three times a day. That's where we were at. But it was the most important thing because showing up that month, I remember that Monday morning where none of us had a job and nor an upcoming paycheck. It, it forced us to move so much faster. And plus we had all this time and energy now to devote to the business. So it's very simple with business. More work equals more growth, period. Mm. So, I mean, yes, you can get smarter at the work and that's called yep. fine tuning and that's great, but work equals output. It just is that way. And that's why like, you know, in the beginning, it's a ton of work from you because you don't have any employees yet. And then as you get more employees, you start to see your company really take a huge jump forward because you have more people doing work. Now, of course, you've got to, you know, set the, the, the strategy straight. You have to set the vision straight so that they're all doing work in the right direction. But assuming you've got all that under control, the reason that I can leave work at five o'clock and go on vacation now when I want is because I have a team of 107 people who are doing the work and we had to get there step by step. Right. But Anyway, I'm digressing, but that's how it started. That's why kombucha. So talk to us about that time when you had quit your jobs. What do you think were kind of like the most important moves, that forward movement that put you to where you are now? Like pivotal moments that really kind of increased your growth and really gave you confidence. Were were they meetings with people? Were they just confirmations from the universe? Was it like a big partnership or something like that? I wish I would have gotten more confirmations from the universe because the beginning was hard. And that's one of the reasons I try to talk as much as possible in whatever medium I can to women, especially that are starting out, because I found it to be the most lonely, the most difficult time. Uh, And maybe that's the price we have to pay. I don't know, but it was hard. So not a lot of confirmations from the universe, unfortunately. Um, But I think that did make me tougher. So, okay, yeah, a lot of important things. I mean, we already talked about the work element, so let's just start there. Um, The amount of work that Vanessa, Justin, and I were willing to put in was not normal. It was not like, like I had a lot, there were a lot of other businesses starting alongside of us. And if I were to tell you just, and I don't know much about their businesses, but I, I, I was able to watch them as people, a lot of them in the farmer's market, the reason we succeeded was simply because we put in just more work. It was just always constantly pushing ourselves forward. Like I remember there was this one company next to us. They had a phenomenal product. They had three founders too. And the three of them would show up to every farmer's market. And Vanessa, Justin and I, we did that for a few farmer's markets, like three or four. And then we were like, wait, why are all three of us showing up? That's like, that doesn't make any sense. Let's fucking divide and conquer. Let's go to three farmer's markets. So we were always constantly pushing ourselves to grow and it was always uncomfortable and we never knew hundred percent if it was the right way to go. But, you know, we kind of just pushed ourselves always into that, um, into that mode of growth. So we, instead of being in one farmer's market with three people, we were in three farmer's market with one people within our first month. And that second company stayed in that mode of one farmer's market for that whole summer. Well, at the end of the summer, we were in 13 farmer's markets. They were still in one and we had 20 times the sales they did, even though we started the same date. So, and yet we sold the same number of people. How could you keep up with the demand? Mm-hmm. In a way, that's kind of the easy part because think about if you're, if you're um, a go-getter, like, and somebody asks you for something, you deliver. It's easy to deliver on that. The harder parts about business are, how do you now grow past to the next phase? Like forcing yourself to always evolve forward. That's, that's more of the more difficult part. It's the unknown. But if you're a kind of a badass already, chances are you're going to be a badass in business. And if somebody's already putting an order in, you're going to figure out how to get that order made. Like it's not that, you know, yeah. you might have to stay up all night. But, and I remember Christmas Eve, all three of us were working that year um, and into Christmas. It, and it was so fun though. Like I would have been pissed if I was working at my other job, but, it was fun. We were all there. And that's one of the best photographs we have still to say. But, but yeah, the work piece, I think, is a really important one that you're willing to just put it out there. And if you yourself can't put in that time, because let's say, uh, you know, at the time I didn't have a kid, totally understand if you've got a kid, like that does complicate things. 
you need somebody to put in that time. So there is an element of just work that needs to happen. And the more you do in the beginning, the better, the faster it will grow. And then the other milestone in the beginning was when we hired our first employee. I was so resistant to do it because we didn't have the money, but we did. And um, it, it takes a very big step forward when you immediately add now an additional person, an additional 40 hours a week. So I'd say the work piece is a really big piece. And then the second piece is, and we were lucky to have a group, a trio group that um, really helped each other out and loved each other a lot, but believing in yourself. I, I hate to be cliche, but it's just really hard. And you're constantly um, doubting yourself. You're always feeling like you're in a, in a vulnerable state. You don't know if you're doing the right thing. This is all very normal. Uh, believing, I mean, understanding that it's normal is one of the best things you could do because you, you know you don't let it get you down. You don't let it get the best of you. I'm not saying we did that swimmingly well, but we did have each other to kind of you know lift the other one up. So I guess the advice I'm trying to get to others is just to try to believe in themselves as much as possible. That beginning stage of toughness is a very big part of it. And I haven't met one entrepreneur that's been successful that didn't have that real sort of almost, mm. almost religiously lonely um, phase of the beginning, which is just like, am I doing the right thing? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And how long was that period for you? And were there any times where you guys were like, I don't know if this is going to work? You know, if you kind of just felt like you were at the bottom of it and you just didn't know if it was going to work. Yeah. I mean, if I'm being entirely honest, I still sometimes think it's not going to work. Like, LOL. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I still sometimes (laughs) sit down. I'm like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm the one. I don't know. know, Maybe I, you're like 25 million may not be enough. (laughs) It's it's all going to fall through my hands like sand. Like I guess. So yes, yes. The answer is yes. Constantly, constantly felt like not sure. It did change a lot when, um, I was able to get others that had had success in the past to tell me that I was on the right, tr- right track. And I, so, so some people are really good about getting mentors and like, you know, hooking up with people that have done it before. Um, I, I highly encourage that because I didn't do that in the beginning. I only got that when we got our first investment and it came with our investors. These people that had invested in big businesses before had a lot of success, sold, you know, 600, some companies, whatever. So when they would tell me we were doing a good job or, you know, that really helped me in the beginning. Then there was this whole other phase of life, like two years later that I had to stop relying on them for their, you know, a pre, you know, their good job Dinah. And I had to find it within myself, but that's stage two, at least stage one, you know, get it where you can get it. And, um, and I didn't, in the very beginning, I wasn't good about mentors. So I think that's something I would have tried to do better is really found other people that had, that were a few steps ahead that could tell me, keep going. You're on the right track. I know you want to quit. Don't quit. I have this, this one moment. Oh my God. It was like, yes, we were so like, we had no money. Our credit card had been shut down. I was living out of my car. We had been evicted out of our, our apartment because uh, we were brewing out of there. It was just, yeah, I, I had no money, literally, literally living on $7 a day. It was just, like, but yet we were selling like crazy. It was just that all the money had to go into the growth. And our credit card was shut down because it was costing more. Our limit was $50,000 on the credit card. And we, we needed to spend more than $50,000 on ingredients, on bottles, caps, labels, you know, sugar, tea, water, in order to get through the next sales week. Um, because we had taken on Air One and a couple other grocery stores. And their orders weren't like one case. They were like 60 cases, some of them 180 cases, excuse me. So they don't pay you for like 45 days. You know, that's just how it is in that world. So it was, I basically had to pay for like three months in advance. Um, and oh. this is a whole new model. And anyway, we didn't have the money. And yeah, I remember being like, I think I failed. I think this is what they talk about. Okay, we're going we're gonna to give up. But it was so depressing because we had given so much work and there was so much positivity around the product that didn't feel right. And so this is the one time, this is the one time the universe gave me confirmation. We talked about universe confirmation. So I'll just tell you, I was walking around the block. It was four in the morning. I was ready to quit. It was like, that was it. 
And I was thinking, what am I going to tell my dad? You know, who he's going to be like, oh, you were right. I mean, I was right because he didn't really encourage this. And I'm walking around the block and I kind of, you know, I'm pretty dramatic. So I collapsed. And uh, on the side On the ground? And it was in Santa Monica. And I oh, collapsed. And right, so right where I collapsed on the sidewalk, spray painted on the, on the ground, on the sidewalk, it said Dinah. What? Now, it wasn't, it wasn't spelt like me. It was spelt D-Y-N-A. And I later found out that that was where they were going to be like installing plumbing lines or something. And the company was <laughs> called like Dinah or whatever. Anyway, didn't matter. I fell right there. It said Dinah. And I was like, that's all I fucking need. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Were you listening to music or anything? Like, you know, to really get you in the mood where you're just you're like, having a meltdown. Yeah, literally. Girl, I've done it. I've uh, literally done it. But it's such an so interesting happy. thing to think about, like, tra- like having your vision and you can taste it. You see it. You see the demand. You see the buzz. Yeah. Like, you see that your product is more than just good. It's great. And transcending, like this stigma of like not being financially stable. It's like, it's such a hard hump to to get over Mm -hmm. at that point. But I do think like, you're right. It is like a turning point because if if you can, if you can push through that and just have your vision be so much stronger than the doubt that, you know, just because you don't have money in the bank right now, doesn't mean that defines you, I think is really powerful because a lot of people give up at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, they really like, they just, they're like, okay, on to the next thing. Cause I need, I need to pay my rent. I need to do this instead of having faith in all of the work that they've put in. And whoa, that takes a lot of. 40. Yeah. And it is yeah, scary. It's scary. And you don't know. Um, it, it's almost like you're going off of a totally different fuel. Like mm. it's, it's, it's almost like, um, you know, it's real intuition. It's real intuition. It's just sort of trusting in yourself when everyone else is telling you you're crazy and all the other metrics that you've been looking at are crazy. Listen, not all businesses work, but I would venture to say, I bet a lot of them, I bet you half of them could have worked. You know, I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. if it's because I mean, my product is really awesome and we make really great kombucha and I'm proud of it, but we weren't the first kombucha to the market. It's not like we innovated and created like, you know, something that like was going to really change the world. Like it's not, and it's not, that's not necessarily required. I think the real difference with us is we stayed committed to, to the product that we make and the high quality product we make. Yes. But like I said, again, just the com- complete commitment to constantly pushing it forward, even when you wanted to quit. And you're absolutely right. Like it is scary at that moment to give up on that security. And maybe in a way it was easier for us because we didn't have a lot to start with. Mm. Like sometimes I know people think of the lack of money as a prohibitive thing, but I wonder if that actually makes us even better off because there's not as Mm. much to lose. Like you can, you know, you can always go back to that place. Totally. Whereas now it might be harder for me now. Yeah, makes so much sense. What is it like working with, so is your husband and your best friend, right? The three of you. I think that's like such a, like how lucky are you? You know what I mean? Like how beautiful. I know, I know, (laughs) I know, I know. know. Yeah, what are the challenges? So what is that? Because it seems like if one would be down, you know, you don't have another person that's like, okay, yeah, it's almost like the third person I could imagine would like help to just like, level out the situation, bring you guys up. Um, so can you talk about working with your best friend and your husband? Like, what's that like? Sure. So in the beginning, having three people fully committed to the business like we did, it was so critical and so awesome for those exact reasons. There was so much work to do and we would just split it up and divide and conquer. Nobody really had too much of an ego. So it was just like, go, we'd come back at the end of the day, have a beer, call it a day, come back three hours later when it was morning that was a great period and having three people was awesome in that regard. The fact that they were our friend, my friend, my best friend and my husband was just even more awesome because we just got so much closer. Where it started to become challenging is when the company really started to develop. So not so much the business, the business was there and it was starting to gain in revenues and there was a lot of work always to be done. But when we became a company with structure, 
and people and layers. And I became official CEO. Vanessa became official CSO and Justin became official COO. And by the way, we still all operate the business in these roles. Um, that's where it started to become challenging because we weren't doing as much of the technical work anymore. We had employees now to do the work. We were setting the strategy, the vision, the next step, and then demanding our team to execute on them. Seems pretty simple, but in this stage, this is where you know things can get pretty heated because we all have our opinions and they don't always align. And that's a, actually not a bad thing at work. I so for example, my husband and I we're really different people. Like I'm more of a dreamer. I'm more of a builder. He's more of the like, let's plan for all the things that can go wrong. Um, and so you can imagine in a, in a you know, stage where you're trying to set, set where you're going next, those two will collide. But you want that second force there to tell you, you know, that you're, you're too high off the ground. You need to stay grounded. So it's good that he's there. But a lot of conflict, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And that's not exactly the person you want conflict with, your husband. You want conflict between a CEO and a COO. It's good for them to be like this. But it's not the best when it's your husband because then you go home and you're like, hey. So. <laughs> want to do it? Yeah, you're like, you want to watch Stranger yeah. Things? <laughs> yeah. Want to do it, exactly. No. Right. Um, and it's actually not that bad if you can be really, really good about not talking about work at home. So if you're both really committed to like taking that hat off. And I know some married uh, founders that actually have like a little bit of a ritual right before they walk into the door. Like they like actually go upstairs, they change their clothes into like normal clothes and then they mm. come down and they say like, Hey, how was your day, honey? Like almost as if they didn't, uh, as if That's that was cool. like a role play all day. <laughs> um, and that works for them. You know, like we're, this guy we're not, at work was a big asshole. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you about him. <laughs> yeah. Super big dick. Anyway. Um, yeah. So the best thing you can do is not talk about it. As soon as you start talking about it at home, that's where the problems arise. Because then the, the conflict, you know, continues. And then you're just like, then you definitely don't want to do it. Right. <laughs> so... We've been really good about that over the last five years, learning along the way, but it's definitely a challenge. You know, it's really challenging. Mm. Now with the best friend part actually hasn't been that difficult because I think we do have that natural boundary of not taking it home. Mm. Uh, and then also Vanessa and I are just, we just don't, we just communicate really well. I don't know. It's just like, it never was an issue. We, but you have to make sure you spend time as friends too. So like, you guys yeah. probably feel the same way. You have to go out mm -hmm. and like, you know, have a dinner date together and not talk about work. Mm -hmm. It's and hard. One, yeah, it's hard. One dinner we sat down and didn't say anything to each other for the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be in commitment. your presence. <laughs> you know? Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, we feel you on that. It's we're together hard. so much. It's like, there's so, we're and together so much, so to much talk that about. we can... You know, like that yeah. we're like, oh, that there's all, we always like go switch in and out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> but it's usually well, like right in the, the morning. Day, I think the fact that we're best friends and husband, like, and he's my husband is, is a good thing. We have this incredible like emotional connection that mm. uh, I think it definitely adds to the business. It's more um, just drawing the line so that it doesn't overtake your life. Mm. That's all. It's, and, you know, having yeah. a kid was actually a really big benefit there because Hendrix, you know, he's a reason not to talk about work. So Aww. when you, when you come home and you have, you know, your kid's there and he's freaking the cutest thing ever and he's two years old, you know, you're just like, ah, it doesn't matter Aww. what happened today. Let's, so in a weird way, the kid actually helped us really create that home boundary. So it wasn't just like whip up, whip up your computer in the middle of dinner because you got, you know, a PO to deliver on. Yeah. Love that. Wow. That is beautiful. Did you guys, I don't know this part of your story. So did you, pitch to like VCs and investors? Like, was there, what, how was that process? What was yeah. that like? And did, and how was it to have like a team, you know, majority female two to one, but I mean, what we've talked to other, you know, female founders and they've had, you know, quite the time pitching to male, mm. you know, investors or, you know, predominantly male VCs. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So the first part of your, answer, your question is, have, did you have to pitch? 
Not really, luckily. Now, the reason mm. we didn't have to is because in the farmer's market, so we got lucky. We had quite a bit of sales and, and buzz already around our product from the farmer's market. And it didn't cost us all that much money to do that um, comparatively. We had already attracted quite a bit of attention in the farmer's market from investors and private equity groups. So it was, it was sort of more, um, we got to pick the one that we wanted in the group. So that was a very lucky situation. And I often talk to women who are experiencing that problem of needing dollars and, you know, needing to pitch. So, but I don't, it's not that I don't have experience pitching because I did in the end have to pitch to the, to the group that we wanted to select. And I remember showing up in the boardroom and yes, it was 12 men in suits. And I had just come off of brewing kombucha for 17 hours, you know? So I was like smelling like fucking vinegar and feet. And, um, and it was just super uh, intimidating. And I remember creating a deck and I'm not a finance person, right? So I created a deck on PowerPoint and I thought it was so dope. I like, it was on PowerPoint though. And typically finance is Excel, right? So I was like PowerPoint, you know, like, text box, color it in white, arrow. Wow. You know, like totally <laughs> like if a marketing person yes. is creating a fine. Yeah. And they were so kind to me, you know, like they let me go Aww. through the entire presentation and at the end. <laughs> and then they ripped you um, apart. <laughs> yeah. At the end, I like looked at them and I could tell they were like, yeah, honey, we're not like, we're not investing in you because of your financial savviness, you know? Um, we're investing in you because you've obviously created a really awesome asset and you know how to sell it and build it. And we love the amount of work that you put into it. It's definitely, they're investing in you as a person. So mm. the one thing I learned from all my, and we've done five rounds of funding now with two private equity groups. So I have a lot of experience raising capital. A few things I'll tell everyone out there is one, they are not investing in your business. They're investing in your product. And what I mean by that is they are going to help you run and build that business in a way that's going to make sense. So don't worry so much that you're not totally profitable yet. If you're not, don't worry that you don't have like the financial skills to, you know, beat them. Remember they went to like school of Wharton, you know, master's degrees in financial forecasting. Like you're not going to beat them there, but what they don't have is your grit. They don't have your vision. They don't have your product. So selling them on that, because if I look back at that first presentation, it was like one page about health aid and like 12 pages of my finances. When it really should have been 12 pages about health aid and us and who we are and why we're awesome and why, why you cannot like miss a beat uh, or why you cannot like miss this opportunity. Um, and then maybe one page or two pages of financials. And, and being very open about the fact that like that's not the forte we have. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's a proper way to go. So many people's decks I see in the beginning are so financially focused and I know why they're doing that. But remember that they want to know why they should invest in you as people. So the more that you can sell yourself as just a one, one of a kind, once in a lifetime type of person with such a strong vision and commitment, that's what they want to buy. So that's the first. And then the second thing is, you know, one thing I'm noticing is people are not as interested in, investing in brands and services that don't have revenues yet or don't have substantial revenues yet. So the days of pre-product investment are starting to kind of dwindle. And I think what we have to say to ourselves is, okay, there's some expectation of sales and growth. So we got to get gritty and figure out how we do that, you know, either online, direct to consumer in farmer's markets, like we did, you got to find some way to sell your product in a super gritty way so that they feel like they can, you know, get a return on what they're investing in. I'm noticing a lot of investors turning down ideas that haven't yet come to fruition. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's, I feel like in the past couple of years, there's been so much happening in that world. It's almost like there's time for a shift, you know, in the investment space into like, I don't know, just being a little bit more thoughtful about where they're investing. But I mean, your story there is like super inspiring. I can't imagine being in a room with 12 dudes kind of. Oh, and it happens all um, the time. All my investors are dudes. It's like so fucking annoying. I'm like, can we get some women in the seat? Well, it's going to um, be you, man. When they're yeah, like, it's going to be you. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what's like, well, we'll talk to a lot of women and these badass women that are 
all about making money or owning their own business or whatever. And like, those are the future investors. And we had Maura Aaron's Melly on the podcast and she was just talking about how women now we need to acquire more money. Like, although it seems like greedy and it's kind of against our creative nature to like think so financially focused, but we need to acquire more money so we can invest in women's businesses so we can do all of these things, you know? Listen, money isn't the reason that we're here. It's not our purpose. But it's, if you are really passionate about giving back to, let's say you're really passionate about dogs and you really want to take care of the problem of, you know, the fact that there are so many dogs out there without homes. Okay. The best way to fix that problem is with money. It really is. 100%. So, you know, so it, no matter what your, whatever your goal is, if you really want to help, you know, bring female equality, like if that's something you're really passionate about, um, you know, you know, pay equality, et cetera. Exactly. Like you said, the way to do that is to actually have enough money to invest in female led companies to invest in whatever it is your vision is. Like if you think confidence is an issue with, with females and creating some kind of solution to that, um, it all takes money. So I completely agree with that. And there's nothing to be, there's nothing to feel shameful about that. I, I think that's great to hear that you guys are already thinking about that next evolution. I hope I am lucky enough to be on the other side of the table just to represent that, other dimension. I think women Mm -hmm. also, because we have naturally this emotional capability, I'm not saying men don't have it, but it's a little bit more easy for us to access in general, this emotional sort of intelligence. And we already have the other kind of intelligence. Like there's no question about that. But when you're able to combine those two and, and have, and have confidence, it's, it's really like it creates, I feel like, a level of leadership that is so powerful. Um, and we have that at our fingertips. We just need to get the confidence piece up. Because we already have the emotional intelligence and I think mm-hmm. the other kind of intelligence. So it's just, for me, I see it time and time again. It's really just the confidence in ourselves. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. That's such a thing that like we can stop right now, you know? And like mm-hmm. I, I think it starts with kids that are young and just, really trying to encourage girls and, and young women to push through that, mm-hmm. you know? Did you, did you ever, so as you, you know, you didn't have a lot of money you talked about at the beginning and then you've acquired wealth as you've grown, you know, the past six years. Was there ever a time when you had to like shift your money mindset? Like, did you ever have difficulties with telling yourself you deserved it or kind of, yeah. you know, be, exactly like believing that this was yours? Like, what was that yeah. like? So let me give you a couple examples. I remember uh, one of, when we got investment. So now we have like, you know, I, well, first of all, when we got investment, we were like, is this for real? Like we had been on the like yeah, starving like, end of ramen, you know? And then, and then suddenly wow. there's something with six year, zeros in our business bank account. It's not like we were um, personally getting any, you know, ha- had seen any money yet. But I remember the three of us just took a picture of the bank of the health aid bank account. And we were like, is this for real? Like just make sure I'm not crazy. <laughs> and we had this money. We had to hire somebody in manufacturing. Uh, we had just received investment and we knew we needed like a really good person because we had, we were about to build a serious brewery and like, we didn't know what we were doing. So it's like, imagine going from like, you know, I have enough money to pay for like 10 bottles to now having millions of dollars to build a brewery. So it's like, I knew I needed somebody with massive expertise. That kind of level of expertise costs money. It's just, it's more than you're going to want to spend. It's more, more than you're comfortable spending at that size of a business. But we hired somebody. He was absolutely the best money we ever spent. And one of the things I always advise people that are you know, starting this from scratch, especially those that started with a little bit of money, is don't be afraid for this the top executive talent to pay for it because it will really pay you in dividends in the end. But what I did, because I felt so guilty about spending that money on him, I took a 60% pay cut. Like just cause nobody told me to do it. I was just like, Oh, it's, it's like not okay for me to yeah. pay this guy over $200,000. I, I need to make like, you know, so I cut my pay in like, Wow. And I already wasn't making a lot. So I don't know why I did that. And I look back on that. I'm like, the business was so better off for that reason. Even the investors were like, why are you doing that? And I was like, cause it's just like the right thing to do. I mean, this guy's like an insanely costly person. Like this is what we're doing. 
and and maybe it spoke to the fact that we were super gritty and resourceful, mm-hmm. fine. But like, I look back and I'm kind of like, that was dumb. Like that was basically saying that he's more important than me. And there was no real reason for that. Mm. So yeah, I struggled with that the whole time. Um, even recently we sold a little portion. Um, Justin, and I sold a little portion of our business um, to, back to the investors so that we could buy a house. That experience was like crazy because I almost feel like I didn't deserve it. Like it was so weird. It's so weirdly like where that psychology sits. But after going through with it and buying ourselves a house and decorating it and stuff and being like so proud of it, I'm like, why did I ever avoid this in the first place? I don't know how we change that about ourselves, but I think it's at least the first step is to talk about how silly it is. Mm. Because maybe if you're in that instance, you'll you'll think differently than I did and say, no, I'm not going to, even though I want to cut my pay, I'm not cutting my own pay so this, so this other person can get hired. But yeah, it's a weird thing, women with money. And I think, um, I think that's, I don't know where that comes from. Anyway. I know, yeah. I feel yeah. you. Feel you hard. Yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about the kombucha space, you know, um, why, for our listeners who don't know, a lot of them do know because you're at all of our events, but, um, you know, who don't know Health Aid, why is it different than other brands? And I don't want to talk about other brands, you know, specifically, but I do know that there is buzz in the news now about, um, not you guys, another brand not giving the correct amount of sugar. Some people are concerned about, you know, the sugar and all of that. So how is Health Aid different? Why do you love your brand and what are you doing that is, you know, just keeping it real with your customers too, I think is really important and just, you know, kind of evolving and being an open book in that way. This is a really important question. So, okay. So I'll start first with why I think we're different, but I think there's something more important that you asked in there that I'd like to speak to. Um, We always started even back in the farmer's markets and we were dedicated to being the best tasting and highest quality. That was our whole thing. Coming from nutrition, I really wanted to create a functional beverage that like would give you the maximum benefit, I guess, non-scientifically speaking. And so we always used everything organic, highest quality we could, amber bottles to prevent the UV light. Um, but fast forward to today, the main things that we do that are different, different, and it's all under that umbrella of still vying to be the best tasting and highest quality is we make, well, first we ferment 100% in glass. So when you came into our brewery and you saw 250,000 glass jars, um, we're the only brewery, <clears throat> commercial brewery that uses glass fermentation in all of its fermentation. And this is important because acids develop during fermentation and plastic and metal at this stage can, can leach. You know, even though glass is more expensive and a, and a super big pain to work with because we're here to be the best, it was something we've committed to. If you go to like Modena, Italy, that's how all the good vinegars are fermented as well in glass. So very proud to be all glass and the only ones in glass. We make super small batches, two and a half gallon kombucha. That's also a pain. We do that because it allows for us to make real kombucha. And we do that because the quality just is undeniably there. As soon as I expand that sizes in my um, research, I just, I can taste it. And I'm like, well, if I'm here to be the best, I think my consumer cares about that. So that's it. We flavor with the highest quality stuff you can find, like cold pressed juice and how flavor our kombucha. What's like one of your favorite flavors? I'm drinking a pomegranate Ooh, right now. I love the, yeah, you guys have I like, like your, grains, your new ones, the sweet thorn, yeah. even the, um, the coffee. The what was the coffee one? Yeah. The matcha cold brew coffee. Cool. It's so yeah. freaking good. It's crazy. Like just the flavors are so curated. Like I'm very sensitive to like artificial flavoring. And I think some, you know, you can just taste it in anything you drink. This is like, you can, I can close my eyes and I can see like the ingredients. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the idea. And like, so for the pomegranate that I'm drinking now, it's a shot of cold pressed pomegranate juice that goes in right after we cold press it. So it's kind of like you make it at home and that was always our vision. But the most important thing we do differently, I would say, is that we make real kombucha. So it's completely fermented naturally with a SCOBY. It takes four weeks to make a bottle. We don't add any probiotics externally to it. It's completely nature's creation. Mm. So in a lot of ways, we farm kombucha or we raise kombucha instead of make it. 
Um, the reason I bring that up as important is it's important that, um, you know, we talk about what, what it means to make fermented food and how that is different from a pasteurized food. So when you go to the shelf, for the most part, everything is pasteurized except for like whole produce that you buy. And now there are some new things coming out that aren't pasteurized. But the, the problem with pasteurization is that it really, it kills everything. And that's great because you're not going to get like Giardia. But, but the, the downside of it is it does kill all the good stuff as well. And then all the good um, bacteria, every, everything that's alive that would have been alive in that product, if it was at all friendly at any point, it kills that too. So if you were to eat pasteurized sauerkraut, the, the benefit that came from fermentation is gone mm. for the most part. I mean, you're still getting fiber and stuff, but you're not getting those probiotics. So fermented foods have introduced a whole new interesting dimension to the food system. And the problem is fermentation by definition means it changes over time. So like in kombucha, the sugar gets eaten by the yeast and over time it turns into acid. Well, if I don't pasteurize my kombucha, then it's still continuing in fermentation on the shelf. It's going a lot slower on the shelf than it is in that hot room when you guys walked in and saw the 250,000 jars. So that's where it happens super fast. The sugar goes down like, like, like that and the acids go up like that. But even on the shelf, it still continues like that. And so by definition, it still changes. And, and one of the challenges is, well, for the nutrition facts panel, what do you put there? Ah. Because it changes, right? Wow. So the nutrition facts panel was kind of created for a pasteurized world, but the fermented world doesn't really know what to do. Huh. I'll give you another example, like oranges. If you were to pick an orange off of a you know tree in Valencia today versus in August, you probably wouldn't think it was that weird that they would have significantly different amounts of vitamin C or whatever, because it's a different different time period. You'd be like, yeah, it's an orange one orange is bigger than another. I don't know. Like you, you wouldn't probably think that it was that odd that like one carrot had more vitamin A than another carrot because it's a carrot yeah. and it came from the ground. Like you expect that kind of variation. Well, real kombucha is kind of more like that carrot than it is a, a Coca-Cola, for example. Whereas if I opened a Coca-Cola and tested its sugar at point A versus 10 months later at point B, it would absolutely have the same amount of sugar, like to the hundredth degree, because it's not changing. Kombucha is different. And so I know you mentioned a brand with the sugars and I actually feel for that brand. Cause I, I don't, I don't know for sure. I, I, I actually have a feeling they weren't being dishonest. Mm. I think mm. what's happening there, I think what's happening there is there is an inherent reality of fermented foods, which is that there is a spectrum of numbers that it could be. And which ones do you pick? Wow, that's so interesting. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, so maybe they picked the lower ones in the beginning and then had some pressure to pick the higher ones, which I understand. And maybe that was all in an effort to actually be more transparent to the consumer. But it's a difficult world because you can't just say that out loud because there'll be lawyers sniffing for a lawsuit saying, well, the law says you got to be in this nutrition facts panel yeah. at all times. Mm. So it's like over the next five years, I bet that this nutrition facts panel will evolve for fermented foods, especially because it's it's sort of it's supposed to change. That's the whole point. That's what makes it healthy. And you know, it's not changing significantly. It's not like it's going from like, you know, two to three grams to like twenty grams or something like that. It's it's in this spectrum range. And overall, even in that spectrum, kombucha is pretty low sugar compared to like a soda or something yeah. like that. So, you know. I'm glad you brought the question up because it has been something that a lot of people bring up. And I, I, I want everyone to know it's, it's a little complex with kombucha because especially real kombucha, because it just, the whole point is it changes. And as this market develops, because it still is actually a small market, like it's a billion in the category is a billion dollars and it's super, it's growing like crazy, but it's still figuring itself out. It's, no, it's nowhere as big as like yogurt yet. And, and just like yogurt had to figure out, the nuances and what's called a yogurt, what's called a dairy fermented beverage. Everybody has to, we're going to have to figure that out for kombucha. And the real kombuchas have the real challenge because we change the most over time. So it's, wow. a, it's a thing. Wow. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I'm so glad you cleared it up. Yeah, I had no same. idea. 
no idea. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't have thought. And it's yeah. because consumers are like, oh, they're lying. And I'm like, don't be so sure. Oh, it may wow. be that. Yeah. Yeah. It may, it may be that they just, I don't know, just got more information and, and there was a pressure to go with a higher number or whatever. I love the idea of like being open and educating your consumers about it. Like you said, like maybe the nutritional facts will change over time. Like I I don't think people will stop drinking kombucha if they knew that. I think it's kind of a cool fact, you know, like Mm -hmm. to know that you are eating fermented foods that are changing and that's why they're healthy and they're living. You know, I think it's, I think it's a good piece, a good conversation to bring up and I'm sure this is all happening for a reason. So I think that's great. Yeah. I mean, it's happening with all of the fruits and vegetables you have. Yeah. As they sit in the fridge, those things change as well. So it's not something that hasn't been happening. And it certainly doesn't indicate that it's unsafe or unhealthy, right? Because like obviously an apple is healthy. It's just that I don't think we thought about fermented food in this way. And now that, that conversation is starting. And, you know, the whole kombucha industry is very much involved with how legislation is allowing fermented food to show up. And that's why I suspect that in the next five years, there'll be a special nutrition facts panel or some kind of, some kind of uh, way for fermented foods to still exist, but not be forced to live in like a pasteurized standard. Wow. I mean, it's interesting too. It's like the health industry, you know, they just find something with this when there's so many problems with so many different things, but they focus on, you know, something like kombucha and like the sugar in kombucha. It's always interesting. (laughs) Um, Okay. What What are you excited about for 2018? What are you looking forward to? So I'm really looking forward to, this sounds really lame, but just like hitting our goals. But 2017 was kind of like, We had just opened up our brewery downstairs, which is the one you saw, 50,000 square feet. We're able to go like crazy. It's awesome. We opened the the doors and it was like a floodgate opening. It was kind of like, go, 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 go. Like, I mean, we had goals, but it was just sort of like a free-for-all, like, mess. We we hired over 45 people last year. It was just a crazy year of activity. This year, we've got everybody in place for the most part. We've got very clear goals. We're super focused. We have like three things per department that we're all trying to execute on. So I've made I've made a real shift from last year to like a lot of work to focused work. And I'm really liking the energy in the office and the culture this quarter and hopefully through the rest of this year. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got their head down. They're very clear on what they're doing. And um, so I'm kind of excited to see us hit these very big goals this year, but in a way that's not making us go home like you know, needing a six hour massage. So I'm really excited about that. That's not as fun. I know that's kind of like, that's like something a CEO would say. Hey girl. <laughs> I Love am. It. I'm just really excited you. to hit our goals this year. It's awesome. Yeah. Love it. That's so great. That's, that's so what we great. say. We're just like, we're excited to just continue and just hit goals. Like yeah. it's like when you're on your path and you know that it's working, you know, there's nothing really more you can say than something but that, you know, it's like, I don't know. And do we amazing. have, do we have new flavors on the horizon? Oh Yeah. We do. Yeah. I mean, I should have mentioned that too. So in May, we'll be launching what I think is literally our best flavor ever. And it's jalapeno kiwi cucumber. Damn. What? I'm into it. Yeah. Come on. All cold press. It's all cold press in-house. And the jalapenos somehow when they're fermented, they lose a little bit of their spice. So it's not actually that spicy. It's not as spicy as our cayenne cleanse. But the jalapeno has this like incredible flavor um, and when it's got a little bit of the sweetness from the kiwi and the coolness of the cucumber, I mean, it's literally Whoa. like I could just sip on it all day, all night. That makes me so happy. That's Super amazing. Sick. I'm so yeah. excited. You guys are so cool. Yeah, we'll send you guys some <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as we launch that. So that's yes, one please. that's on the horizon. I think we've got a couple others. Certainly always trying one. We, we are, whenever we come up with something, we, we try to do it. But this year, we're really trying to be focused. So I'd rather my team focus on like hitting the goal we're going for, then like come up with a new creation. This year is a little bit more like let's, let's execute and let's go home on time. Wow. Love that. <laughs> love that. Awesome. Well, you're an inspiration to us. We always love talking to fellow female entrepreneurs and your story is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate your, appreciate your authenticity too yeah. and your vulnerability, you know, like that's what matters for women right now that are going through this, not to see like the perfect end product of you right now, you know, but knowing like the process and the story behind it. So cannot appreciate your authenticity enough. I know. And wait, yeah. last piece. Do you know Danica Breisha? Of yeah, Model I met Meals? her. Well, yes, I met her at Create and Cultivate and we were like, 
You could be literally you one oh, could be you sisters. You could be sisters. You're both so beautiful. <laughs> and two, you're like entrepreneur, badass queen sisters. Mm-hmm. Like I just think like I don't even know. I don't I know. I love that. I love that. I'm gonna text her that that she's my entrepreneur badass queen sister. Yeah. Talk yeah. She is. <laughs> Tell her we said I really like her. As soon as I met her on Friday, I'm like, who the are coolest. you? The coolest. Where do you like let's hang out? Yeah. Totally. Both of you. Well, thank you so much for making the time. We so appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. I'm going to come take your soul cycle class. Anytime. Oh, yes. Let's anytime. Go. Just let me know. Yep. We'll schedule it. I'll be with oh, you. you right next to you. She's not, but I just ride with her. She rides. She's my oh, homie. Yeah, yeah. I just get the perks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Sweet. I can't wait. I'll see you guys soon. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. So much. Have the best day. Bye, we'll see you Diana. soon. Bye. You too. Bye. Who likes Bucha? <laughs> Healthy, after this, well, the you, only one that I really drink now. After knowing what goes into it, a brand like Health Aid is so, you know, she's described it so different. They make it in little glass. Mm-hmm. Little batches? Uh, batches. batches. Mm-hmm. It's not a jar, but it's bigger. I actually went to their uh, 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 headquarters mm-hmm. and it's crazy. Really? How do you get that many bowls to hold kombucha? You had to go across the nation. Like I said it like you do it. Kombu- kombucha. Kombucha. Um, we hope you enjoyed the interview. Female fa- founders, man. Yeah. I'm just so, so inspired all the time. I love how she Born talks away. about the nitty gritty, man. She is like such a badass. So you can pick up Health Aid um, at Whole Foods at, I know they have it at Air One. They have it at a lot of regular grocery stores now too. I think it's the most distributed. Um, yeah, I see it everywhere, which in, is great. Yeah, you see it everywhere. New flavors coming, like, and they do it right. It's really like carefully curated. It's not just like, Lime kombucha. Yeah, they have like the yeah, their their flavors are like sweet thorn and yeah, like huckleberry maca. Yeah, (laughs) you're like maca deer trough. (laughs) Oops. Um, And this was an amazing review. I wanted to read. I loved it, and it fits for this one. Fun and inspiring. I always look forward to hearing who they interview next. I especially appreciate the entrepreneurial theme, and I've learned a lot from their guests. Such Mm. a good, such a fun girl gang to be a part of. Love, light sleeper. We love you. Thank you so much, honey. Thank you. All right, guys. Uh, we will talk to you next week. I hope you enjoyed this double episode week with Jill and Dinah. Next week is really special as well. So join us on Tuesday for a new episode and rate and review or share with your friends if you haven't already. We'll see you soon. Bye. 